Hi, I'm Vivek. I'm Matthew, and this is Sports Council. We're back after quite a bit of a hiatus, but as the end of summer comes by, we have some more updates to talk about. Especially that Kawhi Leonard deal that just happened. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Well, not Toronto really just Raptors, happened. Well, right? just yeah, we we're a little bit late a little on bit the thing. Like maybe two, three weeks at this point. Yeah, a little late to the party right now, but. Here we are right now. We have not missed it. We, in fact, have seen it. Kawhi still Leonard. still covering it. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. Um, I believe they got Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green right. for Jakob Pertl and, and DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. Very and interesting. It, was there a pick involved also? I believe so. I don't know. I think know. the pick I think is actually a first round, and then it conveys to a second round depending on something else. I'm not really sure of the circumstances, but we do know that a draft pick was involved, yeah. and DeRozan and Pottle for for Kawhi and Danny Green. Yeah. So I guess just to start off, what are your takes on this? Well, it's an interesting move. I kind of saw um, some rumors circulating that Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors Raptors were in trade discussions a lot for Leonard yeah. um, in the coming weeks before this actually happened. So it wasn't a huge surprise. Like Toronto wasn't someone out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting one for sure, especially when they traded DeMar DeRozan, the face of the franchise, honestly, right. in for the past couple of years. And now they're going to pair um, a kind of disgruntled Leonard who didn't really want to go anywhere but LA mm-hmm. on a one-year deal to Toronto. And they have... This kind of young core um, in their bench, and then they kind of have an aging core in their starters right now with Lowry and Ibaka. Right. Um, so it's kind of an interesting mix, and it's really risky right now, I think, mm-hmm. for the Raptors to be doing this because they literally, like, Kawhi is just going to leave in a year. It's just like the Paul and George situation, but this time you're in the North, and you don't have the reigning MVP with you. You're basically going to try and bet on Kawhi being loyal to a team, even though he just left possibly the most team loyal association ever in the San Antonio Spurs, and you're gonna ask him to stay, um, and even even money wasn't really any mm-hmm. indication. It's not like the, the Raptors can throw anything more than the Spurs could. They gave him a supermax, right. God's sakes, like, and the Raptors can't offer any more than that than what the Lakers are offering, honestly. So basically, it's a huge risky move and. But it's one that Toronto needs to pull the trigger on because they weren't. Um, they needed to get better in a sense. They needed to compete with Boston, and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know LeBron um, is out of the East, so you kind of your kryptonite is basically gone. Right, but here's the question: Yeah, what's going to be the timeline for when the Raptors remain competitive? Because we all know that Kawhi is probably not going to be staying in Toronto unless they do go to the finals and make it over the hump against Boston and Philly. Right. Yeah. So. If that isn't going to be the case, which it most likely is, given how good the Celtics are, along with how Philadelphia might advance with Marco Fultz coming back and being not injured anymore, and also the development of both Embiid and Simmons, yeah, it's a very what do you think team. the long-term move is going to be for the Raptors? The thing is, right there you pointed it out, because it's such a risky move, it makes me think they're not really competing to get a superstar, a new face of the franchise, to extend their period of contention. Rather... Mm-hmm. There's also the possibility that GM Asayo Jury is trying to actually restart the rebuilding process again, trying to revamp it because they do have a young core. They have Fred Van Vliet, uh, who else? Pascal Siakam, um, OG Anubi, Anubi. I don't know. I I have no (laughs) idea how to say their names, but basically they have a young core, right? And they can rebuild. They're in a place where they have a young core. 
players. And Kyle Lowry is not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka is not getting any younger. So, essentially, if Kawhi Leonard leaves, that opens the door for the Raptors to say, you know what? We gave it our best shot. We right. tried to trade for a superstar. And that's why I think this trade yeah. is ultimately a good thing, right? Because this is Toronto saying, look, I'm going to go all in with, in with what I have. Because five years ago, we weren't a playoff contending team. Now, in the past five years, we've made the playoffs consistently. But keep in mind, every single time we go against Cleveland, we completely get smacked in the yeah, face. Absolutely. It's LeBron toe, right? LeBron. And when LeBron leaves the conference, and when, this, and when the Celtics are looking so good right now, along with Philadelphia being this young up-and-coming team, this basically means that the Raptors, with their aging core that was young a, long, a few years ago, but not really anymore, this is their last stand. You're putting all the chips and you're pushing them all and saying, I'm going all in right now. Here's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to go and trade DeMar DeRozan. A very good player, mind you. But keep in mind, a guy who doesn't fit the modern NBA. And he's not a superstar. He's not a superstar. He's not a superstar. He's a very good mid-range player. Potentially probably the best one in the league along with Chris Paul, right? But even then, I still have reservations because if you were a superstar, you would put up a fight against LeBron. And frankly, this team barely had any fight when we saw them in the last playoffs. So overall, I think that this is Toronto kind of saying, look, we're going to get a top five player. We're going to be probably the best defensive team in the NBA. Because yeah. let's face it, a team with OG Anunoby, who looked so good defending LeBron, even though they got smacked, as, especially as a rookie. Yeah. Then you have Siakam. Then you have Kawhi, who's probably the best defensive player Absolutely. straight up. And you have Kyle Lowry, who's great at stealing and also defending one-on-one. You got Danny Green, too. Right? And you got Danny player. Green. Yeah, Serge Ibaka, too. Right, and these God. are all amazing defensive players who are trying to bring a new brand of basketball to Toronto for one year. And if that team doesn't really work out, I don't think any iteration of the Raptors will really pan out. And then that's when the GM Masai Origi, he can go and start doing his rebuild. And so overall, I really like this trade for Toronto because I do believe that this is kind of where they're at right now. They're at the crossroads. They have to go all in at this point. They really have no choice because, let's face it, Power is like a ladder. You're either at the very top or at the very bottom. And the worst part is being at the very middle because you don't have the opportunity for real growth. It's Absolutely. always going to be people at the top and people at the bottom. Yeah. And when you're in the middle, it's purgatory. And I really love how you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going for. The NBA has sort of shifted to this super team or tanking team realm where yeah. you're either um, a super team or you're tanking. You can't afford to be in the middle. You can't be, afford to be a perpetual 6th seed, 7th seed, 8th seed, just competing in the first round and mm-hmm. getting bounced. Portland Trailblazers. Um, <laughs> and a couple years ago, Sam Hinkie, the GM of the 76ers, similarly saw that belief. And instead of going for the all-in, because he didn't really have the pieces, he went to the tank. Trust mm-hmm. the process. Basically... Masai Origi, he's going to do it differently. He's going to go all in right now. Mm-hmm. You can also similarly see this with the Oklahoma City Thunder, albeit it was slightly worse off because Russell Westbrook didn't have anybody. But they that added Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. They tried to go all in, and they kind of worked, half worked. They did get another core piece in uh, Paul George. Carmelo Anthony didn't really work out, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get a little bit more to that later. Let's just talk about, real quick, DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs. Right. What do you think about that? I think DeMar is a great player. Mm-hmm. I think that he's in a lot for the city of Toronto. He should be absolutely respected in every sense of the word for absolutely. being such a great player and a great role model. The city of Toronto embraced him. 
In an era where no one wanted to play basketball in Toronto, he said, don't worry, I got us. And he proceeded to be the focal point of that team along with Kyle Lowry and basically be the face of the franchise when nobody wanted that. And for basically being such a great person outside of the league, I will always give him the props that he deserved. And I don't think that he was treated very fairly, frankly, by the Raptors because there really wasn't any advance notice of this. Yeah. But on to the Spurs, right? I think Pop is going to be a very good coach for him. Absolutely. You know, being a very good team facilitator in terms of having a systematic play and adapting to players too. And even if it doesn't work out in the very beginning, it's going to eventually work out a la LaMarcus Aldridge, right? Mm-hmm. But also speaking of LaMarcus Aldridge, the thing that does worry about me about this team is that they both basically play completely mid-range face yeah. games, That's right? exactly what I was thinking. It's a very bad spacing kind of. And you just lost a three... Um, three-point shooter and Danny Green. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard, he can attack at all um, ranges. So basically, you have Paul Gasol, who's also kind of a mid-range kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, post-up mid-range. DeMar DeRozan, post-up mid-range. I don't know what Deontay Murray does. I'm pretty sure he doesn't really shoot at all, honestly. Yeah, he isn't that big of a yeah. shooter. The only really good guy I can think right off the bat right now in terms of shooting that three ball, Patty Mills, obviously. Oh, Patty Mills, yeah. I yeah. was thinking Rudy Gay almost. Yeah. Oh, Rudy Gay also kind of plays that mid-range game, yeah. too. Like, he can shoot the three, but overall, that only feeds into our point, right? This is a very strongly defined team with a great identity mm-hmm. in shooting the mid-range shot. And it looks really pretty on paper, right? But in terms of the advanced statistics that kind of define our league right now, yeah, it's not the most efficient. But anyways, if any team really makes it work out, it's got to be the Spurs and Pop, you know? Because yeah. I'm confident that they're going to figure out a way to get this team working. You know, that Marta Rosen still is an all-star. Probably a top 10 shooting guard in our league, no question. Yeah, top 10. This yeah. Top 10, yeah, for sure. And so this guy's this guy's incredibly talented, you know? And mm-hmm. Pop do- knows how to get people and bring out the best in them. And that's been said so many times to the point where it, it basically is a cliché. But it really is true for a reason. Yeah. I think that DeMar is going to be a very good addition for the Spurs. And the city of San Antonio will definitely embrace him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that DeMar DeRozan, I've always had a little bit of an issue with him. Um, just like with Russell Westbrook. It's not more. It's not as well defined. But mm-hmm. um, he's a good player. But I've never really seen him as this kind of superstar, all-star kind of player. He's a good player. He right. can get you 20 points per game. Most Easily. times, yeah. Most times, yeah. And um, I also agree with you on the point that he isn't at fault at all for this. Like, in an right. era where you've seen Vince Carter, uh, Tracy McGrady, Chris uh, Bosh, yeah, they all left Toronto. And you kind of feel for them, right? You kind of feel because... Um, and then we get to this point where we blame them, right. honestly, for no team loyalty. And we kind of... It's almost this cliche. You expect team loyalty because mm-hmm. maybe it's because we're fans and we don't really see we're not player fans we're right. team fans because so, we focus on the storyline a lot right like a yeah. lot of what we see the league as is in terms of a storyline it's always about the narrative mm-hmm. and the thing that we fail to realize is that it is a business at the end of the day yeah and it's the thing is like we're always looking at when we're fans it's looking at the positives for the teams and when we have to look at the positives for the teams and when we see a negative on the team, such mm-hmm. as Vince Carter leaving Toronto or asking right. for a trade, it's always seen as a negative against the player. Like, you're not loyal. You can't do this. But now we just literally just saw with DeMar DeRozan 
he didn't do anything wrong, but he still gets traded. And we're all Toronto fans are probably overjoyed anyway because mm-hmm. they're getting Kawhi Leonard. But you have to realize for a second there that that team just essentially just gypped yeah. Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan, he could have left at any time. He could have he signed an extension with them right. for five years, I believe. And this is not how you should expect that. How it wasn't is it, right yeah. the way he was treated for sure. Because if I was a loyal employee for an organization, I mean that's just personal. But I'm sure me and many others would appreciate a heads up or like an advance notice, especially after I've given so much of my time and effort for you. Exactly. And your loyalty and your dedication, right? And to to just not get that in return. Like, this goes back to Isaiah Thomas being traded by the Celtics to Cleveland. Like, ever since then, I think that opened the eyes for a lot of NBA fans that loyalty really is kind of just a word in this league. It's just a word. It's honestly a narrative to convince uh, fans, yes, you should be mad at this player for making his own choice. The thing is, it's crazy that we give a lot of crap to players about Mm -hmm. freely choosing they're the free agents, first of all, and they get to freely choose wherever they want to go. Yeah. Right? It's their choice. They don't have to honor anything. There's no such thing as you need to honor the previous team that just um that drafted you. Right. No, you just did that. You honored the team by playing the games that um you were contracted for. Mm-hmm. The thing is teams rarely do the same thing. They don't honor contracts. They you just saw DeMar DeRozan, five year extension. That means five years in Toronto. Right. And they just didn't honor that contract and they shipped him out. Same with Isaiah Thomas. That is true. And finally, same with Carmelo Anthony right mm-hmm. now. He just got shipped out to um Oklahoma City. Right. And then he got shipped out of Oklahoma City. Just like um <laughs> he got shipped out in New York to OKC and then got shipped out to Atlanta. Right, but the thing was that it was mutual in that trade, right? Or not yeah. in that trade. It was essentially the fact that they had to part ways because the thing with OKC was that they were about to hit $300 million, I believe, in terms of their tax. In luxury tax, it's crazy. It's an insane amount of money to commit. Melo wasn't really working out for the Thunder. Both sides kind of knew that, and they were like, they left on very good terms, I believe. And at least that's what reporters have been saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure what happened behind the scenes about that. But I do know this, right? I do know that even though the players don't really get the loyalty from teams that they do deserve, it's in the team's best interest to field a competitive roster. And I believe that what the Thunder have done by trading Melo to get Shooter back, that's, in my mind, an absolute win for this organization. And if I was a GM, I would make that trade 10 times out of 10. Because while my obligation to the players is highly important, my first obligation is also to the fans. Oh, no, I'm not mar- marking the GM for anything. Right. His first, um, his only mission is to improve the team. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do that, he's fired. Come on, like, if you do your job bad, you're fired. And that's just the same goes for any sport. Yeah, the only issue I have with um, player and team loyalty is that mm-hmm. players always get um, derided because they get to make their free independent choice. But then when the uh, teams make a choice that affects the loyalty of the players, they don't get anything for it. Right. And in a sense, you can say, yes, if it betters the team, yes, it's fine. And, But the thing is, you should also kind of understand that um, if it betters the team, that's good for the GM, right? Because that's his job. The player's job is also to better himself, right? Mm-hmm. And if he chooses a better destination for him, 
that's also should be seen as a good move. That's right. Big, you know. And both sides really work over there. So in regards to how that applies to Melo, mm-hmm. do you think that his signing with the Rockets is a good move for him personally? It's very interesting. I don't know if it's going to be a good move for him. It might be a good move just to say I'm on a winner and maybe he wants to win. Right. But I don't really understand. Um, I think the only thing is that Melo saw it as a contender that isn't the Warriors. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to try and make my mark here. I ha- do not like Melo right now. I do not like Carmelo Anthony in one bit. I think he's a cancer. I think he just tried to... He's always trying to start <laughs> because he thinks, words. Yeah, he thinks he is still the same Carmelo Anthony of old. And he's not... It's not like the Carmelo Anthony of old was like LeBron James, Michael Jordan archetype or anything. He was just... He's always been a shot chucker. He's always tried to make it about himself. And right now, you're like 33, 34, man. Like, you don't have what it takes anymore. You're not that good. Andre Iguodala, he humbly accepted a bench role, even though he probably still had a lot in him. To Harrison Barnes, nonetheless. Carmelo Anthony wants to cede the role to anybody, and that's eventually why the Thunder also had to ship him, because he wasn't very good. And he was costing $27 million. $2.7 million for the Rockets is good enough for Carmelo Anthony to play bad. But... The thing is, I think it's a good move in the sense for Carmelo because he still gets paid a lot of money. He got almost a full buyout, essentially. from $27 million, yeah. right? I think it was just minus the salary he was going to get with the Rockets, I think. And then, yeah. And then he gets $2.7 million with the Rockets. So then he gets to make out like a madman, even at 34 and playing bad. Probably the worst season of his career. And he gets to play on a contending team, so he'll get a lot more media attention. Right. And But I don't know if it's a good move for the Rockets, in a sense. Yeah, and I think that the thing with Melo, from what I've heard and what I've read about him, he said multiple times that his priority is not really winning as yeah. much as it is for him to acquire money. Like, that's why he stayed <laughs> with New York over Chicago, right? It's because he got, like, a $100 million extension or some crazy figure like that. That Knicks team was not really that good. The reason why Melo stayed... He claimed on the surface it was because of Phil Jackson coming in as the president of basketball operations, right? No, that was not true. It was just because of the money. It's the money. It's always the money. Money speaks louder than words. And that's also the business aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because the fact is that your time in the league is limited. By the time you're 40, you are definitely going to be out because that's the case for most players. And Mel isn't LeBron. He's probably going to be out of the league in the next five or six years. No question about it. So it does make sense to acquire as much money as possible, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the performance, right? Oh, uh, and wait, as wait, for that... Yeah. The thing is, yeah, I just wanted to get to one little point. I, I know we might just sound like hypocrites right now because uh-huh. we just derided a player for making his own choice. <laughs> and we just said that we didn't want to deride players for making their own independent choices. Uh-huh. The thing is, with when you sign that contract, you want to try and do what's best for the team. Right. And when you make a commitment to a team, you have to obviously own up to it. So when a team tells you to play off the bench, you have to do what's best for the team. The thing is, Melo did what's best for himself. You can get all the money you want, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing. You can say, if um, you go to yeah New York, right, and then say you want a lot of money, right? I mean, that's a good choice, right? For right. The team. Like, you made the best choice for yourself, and mm-hmm. you we should applaud you for it, right? But yeah. The thing is, if you're not going to be very good on that team, and then you're basically going to be a cancer combined with Phil Jackson to make a mega tumor, then you're not going right. to. It's not going to be good for the team. And definitely agree with what they're saying, right? Yeah. I think it's that 
you should pursue your own self-interest to an extent. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to performance, which is ultimately what this league is about and where you get the business from, it's all about unity and like kinship with your teammates. And if you don't really have that, if you don't have the trust in your teammates to be able to start over you and to be able to essentially play a bigger role than yourself because you were a former all-star who had a lot of popularity in this league and a lot of attention, mm -hmm. then I do think that that's going to be a detriment to this team. Yeah. And I don't know how Melo is going to stand on the Rockets specifically. I know he will have a strong presence because that team is mostly veterans. And yeah. Chris Paul and, and James Harden have been pretty good friends with Melo for a long time from what I hear. So I definitely believe that both of those guys vouched for Melo. I'm not too sure how he'll perform. If he gets better from the spot-up three-point role that he tried to be in OKC, having one more year of that to be able to move the ball really quickly and play kind of like a Warriors-esque style, mm -hmm. that would be very good for him. I do think that he may have some decent potential, not like 16 points, but maybe like 12 and 5 or 6 off the bench if I he accepts that role. Yeah. I definitely think that by this season, though, this is a prediction right now, but... I don't really see him being a starter for, throughout the entire season at all. He's not going to be a star at all, I think. I think he's going to be more of a role player. They All the Rockets need him to do is be the offensive output of Trevor Ariza, in a sense. They lost Trevor Ariza. They lost Luke Shadamba Mute. Um, Trevor Ariza provided D&D presence, and then Barabu Mute did the exact same thing, um, except a little bit leaning more on the defensive aspect and the reason right. more on the offensive aspect. They signed uh, James Ennis to a deal. Um, I would expect him to be that 3D kind of guy that Ariza was. or um, But now that they signed Carmelo Anthony, they need an op It's all about offense when it comes to Carmelo. You're not mm -hmm. going to get any defense from him. If right. That's why you can't even think about starting him because he'd start automatically on Durant. And you really don't want that. You don't you, want that happening. The best player... <laughs> on their team, best offensive player on their team against the possibly worst defensive option on yours. You do not want that in the slightest. And that's why I just, it really has to be about Carmelo not being the same Carmelo he's always been in Houston. Right. They need to control him. The thing is, Houston does a lot of ISO ball stuff, right? Mm -hmm. James Harden, ISO switch on someone. Chris Paul, ISO switch on someone, right? Do you want Carmelo Anthony doing that right now? At his age, I'm not sure right now. He is good at ISO, mm -hmm. but is he good right now at ISO? Is he going to be that third option? Can When Chris Paul and James Harden are on the bench, can you trust Carmelo to lead a bench unit and just play ISO ball or what? I don't really know. And I think that's the real worry about this team is that we don't really know how this is going to turn out because we don't really see Melo playing ISO ball as much in OKC anymore because he tried to turn him into that 3 and D specialist yeah. but we all know that there really wasn't any 3 and we obviously knew that there was no, no defense D. at all yeah that's the problem right and so I do believe that overall Houston may not be in a good position as they were last year I do not believe that the loss of Ariza and Mbaba Mute those two losses do definitely hurt the Rockets the thing is yeah they had the Rockets had this great um, concept, right? Just have two superstars or just a superstar and a star play um, good basketball all around, and then you just surround um, the rest of the team. You load them up with 3 and D kind of players. Um, and Clint Capella, I don't know. what He's just a defensive anchor, right? Mm -hmm. And you and it worked in a sense. You got P.J. Tucker. You got Trevor Ariza. You got uh, 
There's an Lukashad Maamute. You had Anderson for threes. Mm-hmm. You had Gerald Green. So you loaded up on a lot of these kind of similar wing type players, and it's good because you're not gonna beat them as just one on one with the Warriors because no one has enough talent accumulation than the Warriors right now. So you s- evenly spread it out, so everyone gets um, basically a lot of people can um, on the Rockets can switch on Durant. You got right. Ariza, you got uh, Tucker, you got Mute. All they can focus on Durant, and while everyone can else can do their thing, it's a s- strength in numbers, honestly. Yeah. But the thing is, obviously, it didn't work. In um, at that very last minute, when Chris Paul hurt himself, and then six and seven. Um, yeah, six that's when all kind so of industries was yeah, over. It was a choke, um, in a sense. And it was really bit. unfortunate too. Oh, and twenty-seven in the game seven. It was unfortunate game five. Right. And then game seven. Well, we'll digress. But basically, now you don't have that anymore. You don't have a reason. You don't have Mute. So you need to focus on a new strategy. And I don't see that strategy playing off. Or I don't even know if they do have a strategy anymore because right. these signings don't seem to be kind of like a reason light or. Mute light. They seem to just be. Let's assign someone who will play for us that we can play forward. Yeah, and if I were the Rockets, I would have done everything in my power to keep those two guys. But, anyways, that's a different topic entirely. I do believe that the Rockets this year they will be a top three seed, obviously. Yeah. And it remains to be seen where they match up against the Warriors because I do believe that a lot of the prowess they showed against the Warriors, especially throughout Game Six and Game Five was because of Ariza and Mbamute. Ma- Mute. Yeah, yeah. And losing those two guys, as I said before, it's going to hurt. Yeah. No doubt about it. And so, looking into the other side of the league, right? After LeBron left the Cleveland Cavs, there was a hole that was kind of there, right? Who would be the superstar? And I guess Cleveland responds by saying, here you go, Kevin Love. Here is an extension for you. And we're going to make you the focal point of this team. After four to five years of not having that role, what do you think he'll fare up as? You know, it's pretty funny in a sense that all throughout Kevin Love's time at Cleveland, I think he was always known as the odd man out, right? In the mm-hmm. big three, there's always, a whenever you call it a big three, there's always a one, a two, and a three. And it was Chris Bosh with Miami. Mm-hmm. It was Kevin Love in Cleveland. And maybe it comes from a sense that LeBron is always number one, and then the loyal guy is number two. You're Dwayne Wade, you're Kyrie Irving, the guy who stayed, who was originally on the team, basically. Yeah. And then you bring in this third guy, right? A superstar on a small market team, but doesn't yeah. have as much national name recognition. And, and then when yeah. they bring, they're like the third wheel, I guess. And they're like not obviously performing as well because they aren't getting as much attention on them. Yeah, and it's not, it's and also because of And they the scapegoats. Yeah. And they end up being the scapegoats, exactly. And you always hear the Kevin Love rumors all about, and the trade rumors, will he, um, they should trade Kevin Love now. The funny thing is, he's the one who have stayed at Cleveland in the end. Isn't that just so ironic? It's just so It, it is quite something to see. <laughs> the thing is, yeah. And another point, Kevin Love somehow, he didn't actually get as much money as he could have. He signed for a slightly smaller deal. And I don't know why, I, I guess it's good for him because maybe he gets for like, cap flexibility and also for yeah. maybe being moved to a contender if that option is open. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, Kevin Love, I I can kind of see it from his point of view. Like you want security, right? You're gonna get old. Absolutely. You're gonna get pretty old soon, and if you get five years, um, for that much money at like thirty plus years, right, of age, you should probably take it, right? The thing is, I don't see it 
why for the Cavs because again you're not really in that contention zone anymore right right you don't have okay you literally have no one okay you don't have Kyrie you don't have LeBron you have a new guard in Colin Sexton and you're probably going to build around him and I guess Kevin Love now um but I don't really see a lot moving forward I see a couple of young pieces but I don't see how they fit together you got Rodney Hood and Larry Nance Jordan Clarkson, I, yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't really know about that. And then, yeah, Tristan Thompson, I don't think so, right? Maybe if he isn't busy with Trayvon Green. <laughs> he would, oh, yeah, that's crazy. And the Kardashians, I have too. no idea what's going on with that one. But basically, you got a bunch of odd pieces, and you're trying to move forward with it. With it. And I really just don't see how it's a good move for the Cavs. Maybe it sells the seats. But you're also paying that much money in luxury tax still with Kevin Love. You're right. not out of the luxury tax, even with LeBron leaving. You because you gave Kevin Love this huge deal and you just committed to all these when you the thing is with the trade deadline, they had all these one year deals for old veterans, right? Oh, Derek yeah. Rose, Dwayne Wade, etc. Right. But now they traded all those to get bigger contracts that are longer. Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance, they're bigger, longer contracts possibly. We, I don't think Hood signed yet. But the thing is, now you have a lot of cap commitment for not a good team that's not going to reach the finals, and no one's ever going to talk about them probably again. So why'd you do They'll this? They'll probably make the playoffs, though. Let's I, face it. The East, East. Yeah, yeah, maybe eight. I think seven. Kevin Love is definitely good enough to carry them through yeah. and push them to that at least contending spot for the playoffs. I don't know if he'll, if he'll be that good, but that remains to be seen, obviously. He yeah. hasn't been in the focal point of an offense or defense for probably five years now. But we have seen pretty good flashes of him. He's a very good three-point shooter. He's obviously been a great rebounder throughout his career. And I think those things will continue. And he was kind of bucking the trend before everyone else. He was, in 2011, he would average like 26 and 12 when he would shoot a lot of threes from the outside. Like this is a guy who really kind of helped define what the NBA is right now. Maybe he wasn't the main guy people had in mind. But people saw how valuable having a stretch four or a stretch five can be. And when Cleveland brought him along, he wasn't that good at first. But once he started hitting that three, boom. Like that yeah. kind of helped help the Cavs, the Cavs a lot in terms of them beating the Warriors when they had their 73-9 season. Yeah. It's because of guys like him. Because once you have a player with that unique skill set, you can do a lot with that person. And if he plays to the level with which... We saw him in limited spurts, except with him being his kind of the main guy. I really don't have any doubts that he's going to be a great player and that the Cavs can contend. But as you were saying before, it's an issue about who who they can surround him with. Sexton is a good piece. I think that he's going to be pretty solid and competitive enough. I don't know about Clarkson, especially since that guy chucks a lot. Nance is all right. I don't know if Hood's going to re-sign. Thompson, I don't really know. J.R. Smith, I don't really know. J.R. There are a bunch of wild cards, huh, right? George Hill, too, right? And George Hill's right. a pretty solid player, too. Like, this is a pretty decent middle-of-the-pack team, even without LeBron. That's true. But I guess another question we can be asking here is, you really won't get anywhere far in terms of making a championship, right? We were talking about this before, right? Like, how it's like a wheel. People are at the mm-hmm. top, people are at the bottom. And there's a purgatory. And so... Do you think Cleveland's stuff at the purgatory here? Because this is all but saying that, hey, we're going to be like a middle-of-the-pack team. We're not going to get far. I think it really depends on how good Colin Sexton is right now and how much they can rebuild around him. It's really like when we saw um, the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs, it was horrible, right? 
LeBron could barely carry this team, and he's one of the greatest players in the world, right? So it's really hard to see that team really become anything. And then, like, you lose a LeBron and you add a Sexton, you're going to be better? Probably not. But let's say Sexton becomes a superstar type player. Yeah. Even when he does, let's say he's at best going to be a Russell Westbrook on a flailing team, right? Mm-hmm. So you're still stuck in purgatory. You don't have enough yet to move forward. So I do believe that you need at least one, you need at least three stars to compete um, mm-hmm. for really in championship contention in these days, right? In the NBA. So you really, let's say Sexton is one and Love is the second. Who's the third going to be? Thompson? JR? Yeah, it's not going to happen. We'll even happen. get a third by the, by the time like next yeah. year rolls around, right? It's just like, it's really hard to see that. So I think right now Cleveland at best is going to be in purgatory, in playoff contention purgatory. At uh-huh. worst, it's just going to be like, you're not like top 10 lottery pick instead of top 5 lottery Right, pick. and it all goes back to the cycle. You're either at the top, the bottom, or middle of the pack. Yeah. And I guess that remains to be seen what really happens. But in a lot of cases, it's all but confirmed. But anyways, more about that later. Let's talk about the schedule right now in the NBA. Any thoughts on it? Yeah, so the NBA just released a couple of the games, right? Some of the most important ones, the opening day, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas Day, and I believe it is Martin Luther King Day. Oh, okay. Um, so I believe the opening schedule is going to be Philadelphia and against Boston. I don't know where it is. And then the Warriors will open up against the Thunder. So Russell Westbrook will get to see Kevin Durant receive his second ring in a row since leaving the Thunder. What are your thoughts on how... Why the NBA would choose to do it like that? Well, I do believe that the NBA knows how to market themselves and sell to their audience. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Because the thing with the NFL is that there are so many players that you aren't able to develop a brand about them. Mm-hmm. And the thing with the MLB, right, is that it's America's national pastime, but it's also a very antiquated sport. They are trying to speed the game up, right? But even its most marketable star, Mike Trout, who's probably one of the probably the greatest player of all time in baseball right and he's only 26 but he's not a household name by any stretch of the imagination yeah because there's no marketing and this is what the nba is doing that is much better than a lot of other people they know how to generate publicity they do embrace the fact that the internet age is upon them and they embrace analytics and they embrace storylines and they do have a lot of controversy around it because their stars know how to sell themselves and to really speak what's on their mind and do a lot of things for the community and also for the news, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that the NBA is kind of stoking the fire by saying, hey, we want these two players that have a complicated past to play together over here. Yep. Hey, we want to have the two best teams in the East play together as well, right? Yep. And so things like that really show to me how smart the NBA is in terms of marketing itself and to sell games to audience members it is very dramatic and i love the drama you know i was it was a funny thought it's crazy because i the day before they did the schedule release and i heard about they're gonna do the schedule release and i was like hmm, you know i i was kind of thinking the best matchups and i was like rockets warriors lakers warriors and i said you know maybe thunder versus warriors because um i feel like the nba always has a schedule kind of a contender but not like an overpowered contender that could possibly upset the Warriors. Right. That's why they did the Rockets, who were the third seed, not the second seed. They could have done the Spurs, but they did the Rockets last year instead. Didn't really work out because the Rockets did beat them in that game. But the thing is, like, that's how it works. Um, so I kind of thought about it that way, but I was like, no, there's, there's no way they're going to do that. It's just too dramatic. They could have just sold it for another day. 
guess they're just going to make it opening day then. But um, it's got given Russell Westbrook a couple months to soak that mm-hmm. fire, and I can't wait for that game. It's going to be amazing. I, I think wait. also what would be some dramatic matchups would be San Antonio and Toronto and the Warriors Pelicans, right? Yeah, funny you should mention that by the way. The NBA Christmas schedule. It has some of the predictable games. Again, it has Boston, Philadelphia. Yeah. It has um, Milwaukee and New York, which is odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have um, Thunder and Rockets, and you have Lakers versus Warriors. But the thing is, no Raptors versus Spurs. So why do you think that is? That's really odd. The issue with that is that the Raptors don't really like to play during Christmas Day. Yeah. They've co- consistently refused to do that for many years now. That's interesting. And it's because of probably the population that refuses to acknowledge that. There is some controversy in Canada's past behind why they don't want to market themselves and have like a lot of people watch Raptors games during that time. And that's like a little, that's a pretty political that's issue. Odd. Yeah. That's like outside of, of the league. But point being that that would definitely be a game that they'd consider, but the Raptors have refused to do that many times again now. So I, I do really wish as a fan to see that matchup because I do believe that watching a game where DeMar DeRozan scores up against Toronto would be pretty exciting to watch. It'd be crazy because you see both like both players kind of left unhappily at the end, right? DeMar kind of got gypped by the Toronto Raptors and then you see Kawhi angrily trying to leave the Spurs for a couple months now. And they would obviously try to stick it to the other's team, respectively. Definitely. Like, honestly, I that would be a crazy matchup. Anytime they want to schedule that, I will watch it. So that is the NBA schedule release. I think we're going to see more of the schedule being released maybe today, maybe Friday, I think. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, that. for sure. But and now, so looking yeah. into what's upcoming right now, NFL preseason. Yep. I think this is the first day, honestly. I believe my San Francisco 49ers are going to be playing at 7 p.m. tonight, um, week one. And obviously, I'm excited to see the new quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. But let's look around the league more. Uh, what other players do you want to see in the preseason? What are you looking out for? Well, I'm looking out for the rookies, especially. I want to see how players like Saquon Barkley start out as. Yeah. I want to see, you know, Sam Darnold. Guys who can potentially stand up right now and say, I am a definitive force in this league. Because, let's face it, um, a lot of what the MNFL is predicated around is kind of what their current core is and what the future of these teams are. Because the real issue with the NFL is that since they're only playing one week at a time, it's mainly based on the fact that a lot of players are going to have to have stand-up performances every single time, no questions off right so a lot of player players can like sit out like, in the nba or have off games but in the nfl you consistently have to bring it every single week if you get like if you have a bad performance one game you can't you they won't stop talking about it for an entire week until you have another chance to prove yourself basically right and so the pressure is definitely on in that aspect and so seeing how the young rookies are going to stand up and say say and assert their dominance against that it's going to be really exciting to see yeah um a couple of guys i'm looking out for personally i think um, let's go with the young first, Baker Mayfield. Um, we, obviously, it's an interesting pick by the Browns. Obviously, we had a lot of qu- quarterbacks they could have selected: Darnold, uh, Rosen, Allen. But they went with the Oklahoma kid. Um, that would be very interesting to see how his first game plays out. Obviously, it's preseason, so let's not get too caught up. If he throws five touchdowns, he's not a Hall of Famer. If he throws a pick, he's not an automatic bust. But it is the Browns. There is a lot of pressure there. You want to 
the first person to reverse the tide is going to be the most famous person in Cleveland since LeBron James. <laughs> and let's start, um, go with the old as well. Tom Brady, at 41 years old, he just celebrated his birthday a couple days ago, his 41st birthday. How is he going to keep holding up? Can this invincible Iron Man keep plowing on towards another Super Bowl appearance? I think that's a question that defies even the most ardent basketball, not basketball, football <laughs> pundits. Yeah, yeah. Because just seeing a guy like that still perform as amazingly as he does, especially for his age, but not even just for his age, but as a quarterback in general, this guy continues to redefine what records are and redefine what the longevity of an athlete's career can really be. And we see how hard this guy works, trains, eats, and, you know, focuses on the game of football. And you can generally tell that he's a performer day in and day out. And I do have a lot of respect for the guy. Because even though I dislike the Patriots ardently, <laughs> I do generally respect what he's been able to do for the franchise for several years. At least you can say that, right? People Sometimes people have a hard time doing that. And yes, I also do not have a very good... I'm not very fond of the Patriots. I actually harbor a dislike for them. But <laughs> I also want want to say that I respect Tom Brady because, you know, the best athletes, the best of them always, whenever they age or they get to that point where they're considered old athletes, they always try to reverse that. And they don't try to ex- desperately cling on to their youth and pretend like they're still good, such as Carmelo <laughs> Right. They, they try evolve. to redefine their game. Yeah, they evolve. We see LeBron James turning into a great shooter and a great basketball mind. Yeah. Before the guy would just dunk every single game and just play off raw athleticism. Yeah. Like seeing transformations like that is what makes the game exciting because it shows the progress that you can make throughout your career and how age really isn't a limit. You can always still get better in some way and you can always pick up something new. And seeing those type of things, it is really inspiring and it is also very good for, it's a message that players can always get better. Like, even the best players right now aren't perfect by any means. Yeah. Like, let's say, even Steph Curry can have, improve on something. There is no there is no limit to what you can do. And it really goes to show the dedication. You know, you can kind of buy into your own narrative that you're old and you don't have to perform as well. But the thing is, these players have always had basketball or football on their mind for their entire lives and they aren't really ready to quit right now so they continue to dedicate their entire lives to it lebron i've heard like crazy things about him every time he's done with his game he knows he's um aging and he's getting old so it's going to be worse on his body every time he goes out there right but he does everything from the one game post game to the pre-game of next game Everything he does is to rejuvenate his body, to get it back in shape, to get Mm -hmm. it ready for the next game. Same goes with Tom Brady, I guess. Like, he's going to do everything it takes. Health practices a little bit sketchy, but it is some impressive dedication. And I think it's really goes to show how amazingly dedicated they are to um, their craft. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's really all that we have time for today. Um, Any other thoughts on anything? Um, not really. I think that we pretty much covered what's been up with the leagues for the last few years, and I'm really excited to see how these seasons go for both football and basketball. Yeah, and next time I think we're going to do our podcast, it's probably going to be right in the swing of the NFL season. So, looking forward to that. This is Sports Council. I'm Matthew. I'm Vivek. And we'll see you later.